Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bijou Banter. This is a bittersweet episode for Daniel and I because this is our final Bijou Banter episode. Um, mm. I'm your host, Matthew Ha. Join with me, I mentioned already, but Daniel Merger-Hoyer. Yeah, what's up? Yeah. One last ride, one last ride. Yeah, one last ride. We're in the Zoom studio. We're not in the KUI studio, but on the subject of one last ride, Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the long-awaited Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which um, coincidentally is also about One Last Ride with um, these characters and this director and writer. And so, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, third film in the Guardians of the Galaxy series and also the 32nd film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, written and directed by James Gunn, who is now the head of the DC Extended Universe. So that's why most likely, or at least for a very long time, this will be his final Marvel project. And um, the cast, very loaded cast, We've got Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillan, Palm Clementive, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, Sean Gunn, Judy Iwuji, Will Poulter, Elizabeth Debicki, Maria Bakalova, and Sylvester Stallone. Very loaded cast. And basically the plot of Guardians Volume 3, it takes place after the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So yes, that is canon. You should watch that before watching this if you would like to. Um, basically, Peter, Quill, and the Guardians, they're set to defend the universe after um, to retrieve like this life power source, essentially. And basically, this whole mission puts the their team at stake as well as their plan, their home. That's a very, very summarized Spark Notes version because there's a lot more that happens in mm. this movie and when we discuss this we're not gonna get into full spoilers but just by nature of this plot we might have we might we're gonna have to reveal some stuff so mild spoilers for Guardians of the galaxy volume three if you haven't seen it what did you think yeah so i'm guessing you know a little bit of history at the guardians um because the thing i realized after i walked out of the theater uh 20 minutes ago um was that these films came out about during big transitions of my life um at least my you know going from you know childhood to adulthood like first one came out like you know as i was getting into high school second one came out as i was leaving high school and this one is coming out as well i'm leaving college and so i think like you know these films like you know they've always had like a very close thing to me like they've always been such a big thing that I've always liked um because you know there it's it's its own personality compared to all the other Marvel properties like it doesn't have to feel like it's so bounded by you know the big overarching narratives it really is its own thing and that's like the one thing I always liked about Guardians and that why I always like James Gunn is that James Gunn is completely in full control here um and that's like one good element of this film is that Gunn is, you know, at the helm of this. Like he, I think, you know, it's good that Kevin Feige and Disney have enough confidence and trust in James Gunn with these characters. There's nothing that feels like, and there's nothing that feels super corporate. Nothing feels incredibly like where, you know, somebody's hand is in the cookie jar that's not james gone he is in full control of this story of this film and of these characters and i think that's like one really good element of this um and you know the performances are really great across the board um i really do like that you know it still maintains its sense of humor despite the heightened stakes um and you know the emotion the, the emotion said i think there's like a time in the film where it's like dang this is literally like been with me at, like throughout my young adulthood and it's now coming to an end and this was i think it was one of like probably one of the best marvel films i've probably seen in a while um and you know i have a lot of respect for james gunn and this franchise and i'm glad that you know gun is letting these characters go off on their own terms and i'm really happy about that yeah so i wouldn't say that the guardians movies came out at sort of like critical points of my life however they are a very very important part of my love of superhero movies and comic book movies um when the first the first guardians of the galaxy movie came out almost 10 years ago which is crazy 
to me. Like that, mm-hmm. that makes me feel old. And I know I'm not old, but still, um, yeah, when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 1, I was in middle school. And at the time, I had never seen a superhero movie or a comic book movie like that at all. And especially within the sphere of Mar- the MCU at the time, which was this is pre Infinity War, pre Endgame. So this was this really showed like how expansive and wide and weird this universe could really be. And that's something we had never really seen before because with the Guardians of the Galaxy, it's a much more underground, unknown comic book series. So we didn't really know these characters in the same way we do with Spider-Man or the Hulk or the Fantastic Four. So we went in basically with a fresh mindset. And yeah, it was awesome. It was an awesome movie, really funny too. And the sequel, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I think is the is basically the first one just done better. It's just a bigger, better Guardians movie. With it's, It was funnier. Stakes were larger. It was more emotional. Um, so, and James Gunn in particular, who I think is a very, very good director and writer, really knows these characters. And with any film he makes, you could tell his style is all over it and he has complete creative control. And that was also seen in The Suicide Squad um, in 2021 after he was briefly fired from Disney, which I think we could probably go into that history too because Guardians of the Galaxy 3 has been in production hell for a while after James mm-hmm. Gunn was fired um he went on to do the Suicide Squad then Peacemaker and then Disney rehired him to do Guardians 3 which then was also delayed by the pandemic so this movie's been going around for a while because the Guardians 2 came out in 2017 so it's been a while and there's been a lot I've noticed there's been a lot writing writing on this movie because with the state of Marvel now being so oversaturated and with phase five, not starting strong with Ant-Man and quantum mania, which I think I, even I've forgotten that movie was a thing yeah, just because I, it was yeah. so underwhelming and just not entertaining. I was really excited for guardians three. Cause I like these characters a lot and it would be like a nice farewell send off for these characters in James Gunn. And I think it's really, really good. I will say this is my least favorite of the guardians films. It, it is better than the holiday special if you count that it is canon but it's a special it's not i don't consider that like a film but um yeah guardians 3 is a very good movie but it is in my opinion the weakest of the trilogy and there are things that out of all the guardians movies this is easily the darkest the most brutal and most emotional arguably however it doesn't have a very strong balance between the humor and the emotional moments and i think that's kind of what hurts it on their own they work there are moments that work extremely well because these characters are still just as fun and likable and entertaining and the jokes are still really, really good. But within the crux of the story, it seems like it has a hard time going from point A to point B. And the movie's two and a half hours long. It is a pretty bloated film. And the story it's telling too, I would argue, doesn't necessitate the runtime because, and I guess now it could kind of go into spoilers. The first more than like first two thirds of the movie rocket basically gets injured critically injured and is is nearly dying so most of it is the guardians trying to find this um it's like a power source basically because Mm -hmm. he was genetically engineered so like to basically reset his life basically so that's most of the goals of the story but then following that it just then it kind of meanders a lot so it has a decent buildup, but overall it has a hard time navigating its plot but at the same time, I can't say it was even bad because even though it was a little awkward at times, it was still entertaining to watch. Like I was laughing a lot um, visually. It looks fantastic. It's the best looking Marvel movie in a really, really long time, especially after Mania. It's like night and day, the difference with the CGI. But and overall, like leaving the theater, I was like, it was kind of bittersweet. Just like, yeah, I don't know when we're going to see these characters again. I don't know what we're going to see James Gunn return to the MCU again. So for now, it's like, yeah, this is it. This is the last ride. And it does work despite my grievances with it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think, and that is one thing I do agree with is like, it is bloated. I think, you know, because when you look at on paper, like the plot is like basically them trying to save rocket. Like that's basically the whole thing of the plot. Um, and it does kind of lose sight of some things. Like it did lose like sight of Adam Warlock a lot. It did lose mm-hmm. sight of like, you know, the 
and did kind of lose sight about like you know what its purpose was like okay yeah you're gonna tell this very emotional story but you're like giving it everything <laughs> and you know it's like because you know there is such thing as like too much of a good thing and you know i do admire the fact that you know this is like it does bring up the scope of guardians a little bit like i think you know i think there's like times where it's like it feels like it's going it's trying to go for like end game levels of big um but i do uh, but i do kind of say it's like yeah you're kind of giving something that is like so simple a lot and i mean and that could be seen as an issue with the film um and you know it's probably the reason why it is so bloated is that it does want to have all these like big big payoffs but it just does it feels like it's just trying to give it too much and it tries and i think that's where it kind of loses its focus after a while because i think it's like the film like you know the emotional center is rocket in this film like he is very much the emotional center in this film and you know everybody else has like their good moments like i mean i'm kind of glad they gave mantis a lot of like screen time they gave like drax a lot to do like they gave they're giving everybody a lot to do in this film i mean maybe apart from like cause like the cosmo d like astronaut dog and yeah um raglan um but they're really giving a lot to like the, these main characters um but you can just tell like the element that is so strong in this is rocket's story like that is the one element that works super well and that honestly is why the villain works super well because there is such a connection there um and yeah he acts a little bit over the top sometimes but i do think it's a very effective villain and yeah i mean i think it's just but i do think it is a very a little bit bloated for too bloated for its own good one one thing too that i've noticed um some people have been pointing out was the fact i don't know if people are saying this movie is too dark or like too cruel because a lot of the movie revolves around like experimentation with animals um mm -hmm. very much kind of reminded me a lot of um the secret of nim in a way which mm -hmm. is a very overlooked don bluth film um sort of taking the concept of like science and nature and combining that and showing like the intelligence of animals and also the ability for them to sort of uprise in that sense and a lot of that is focused because we do learn about Rocket's past. Uh, like, I don't even know how many minutes are dedicated to flashbacks, but there was a lot, especially the opening scene is a flashback. And I think one of my, I, I wouldn't say the movie's too dark. That's not my problem because mm. the moments that are very brutal and serious are effective. However, when it starts like that, that sets the whole tone of the movie. If you look back to the other Guardians movies, um, with the exception of the first movie where it has the prologue of Peter Quill on Earth and his mom dying, the opening title sequence is him dancing with his Walkman on that alien planet. Mm -hmm. The second film opens with the Guardians fighting to Mr. Blue Sky. That sets the tone. It's just like, yeah, there's serious stuff, but it's like at its core, it's a goofy, lighthearted adventure. Whereas in here, it's like we have this opening with Rocket and then flash forward to the present. Like it's sort of like desolate and like Peter Quill is like drunk and all that. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say because it almost seems like it shoots so much for the fences in terms of getting emotional reactions out of the audience. It almost becomes a little indulgent. I'll be honest because it focuses so much on that. And then when the humor comes in, which does work for the most part, I think there are some very funny lines too. It doesn't have as smooth of a balance. Whereas in guardians two, I think one of the reasons why I love guardians two so much is that it is a silly space movie, but the emotional moments feel way more earned because it doesn't really shove it in your face all that much. And especially with Kurt Russell's ego and that sort of twist was very, very good because it's not, it doesn't build up all that much. And maybe if you're, if you're an eagle eye viewer, you could predict that thing, but it doesn't feel overly self-indulgent. Whereas I feel like in this one, it was trying to go a little more for that emotional reaction but it it comes off as very forced in some in some instances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like I mean, you know, I do actually like how you know they want to do something a little bit different. Like you know, you kind of especially the opening and just like of Rocket and then like the acoustic version of Radiohead's Creep. You know, it's not a bad idea, and 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 yes, uh, Creep is a very overplayed song. I mean, even I bet Radiohead fans say it's not even their best song. 
I just am most like oh like over like saturated song because people have played it so much. But even then, it's like it's still it it does try to like have like a certain tone compared to the other two Guardians films, where you know those two films obviously have much more levity with them, despite you know all the dark things happening. Um, within the stories of those films and yeah this one has a lot of dark things happen um like you literally see like dead animals and it's just it is very like dark and grim in a lot of areas like the villain is especially dark probably the darkest i think we've seen in a long time um and i do think that you know it it is very tonally inconsistent like i think the because, you know, everything's hitting right emotionally. But I think when you look at, like, the co co cohesive nature of the story, it really does, like, kind of meander its tone a little bit where it's like, okay, you're going to go for really funny, really dark, or really dramatic. And it does have those meandering points um, where, you know, it it does feel a little bit too much at some in some areas. But I think sometimes they do really work in a lot of the cases of like the characters it is that the story is just it's just very meandering yeah i think that's probably like i want to because i i know a lot of people could probably apply the same criticisms that we're addressing to guardians 2 but guardians mm -hmm. 2 like and like i addressed earlier it has a much better balance between mm -hmm. the two and also the movie's a lot shorter too so you had to like sort of edit that together and make it more smooth but the way the story is told too because i feel like that story it, it was expansive it expanded the the universe of the guardians it expanded the lore but it still felt like okay the story it's telling is doable it's manageable within this runtime whereas here it wants to it expands the universe a lot like there's they visit like what three plants including like there was mm -hmm. um what was it called there there was obviously nowhere the um the org the orgoscope and then counter earth as well so like they explore a lot of these worlds, but the story it's telling doesn't really ne isn't necessitating that much world building though. Because in 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 the end, it's just like we gotta get this one item, bring it back, and save our friend's life. That's that's kind of the whole plot. I would I would argue, mm -hmm. or at least the main goals of the Guardians of the Galaxy in this movie. So yeah, it's just it's odd. I, I want to say it's poor, and I struggle to call this movie poorly written too, just because the moments that do hit hit really really well especially some of the more dramatic moments which one i don't really want to i really don't want to get into because of um it's a major spoiler but it's very upsetting though with in, in relation to our villain too and the villain was also one that a character that I was kind of disappointed with it's um what's what's his name uh, the high evolutionary um mm. i will i will say he's not as bland as ronan the accuser from the first film who is arguably one of the more is one of the lamest MCU villains just because he's not memorable. But when you follow, if you're trying to follow up ego who has such a strong connection to Peter Quill and yeah, he has a strong connection to rocket as well, but I don't know in the end, his plan is just like, he wants to become this own, like his own God essentially and create like a perfect society. And that's kind of it. And it's just like, he's more intimidating for rocket and, and the animals, but like, for the guardians and for just like the human and like the human characters, I guess he doesn't pose much of a threat. I would argue he has like the, the, um, the hands that sort of the telekinesis and, but other than him controlling the animals is because he has that power and he's that superior. I don't see him as much of a threat to the other guardians. Yeah. I mean, and you can kind of say like ego had that type of threat too, like, because obviously like, you know, he was much more, like, you know, he was, because obviously his goal was like, you know, just complete domination. And this guy is obviously the same, but I think, you know, the Guardian stays villain that just want, all, want nothing but power. And, um, but I don't know, I mean, I'm, I don't know, man, I think I like the villain with this one. I mean, I think, you know, maybe it is the performance. I think the performance, I think, like, does service to like a character that, you know, is pretty like, land on paper but you know it he does like i mean the actor i'm trying to i wish i could pronounce his name because he was also in um peacemaker yeah. um but he does like such a good job and um like bringing out these like 
emotions and like you know he'll be psychotic dude like really freaking psycho it's just kind of like you know a pavlov was like when even like like more extreme with like his experiments on dogs like it that, that's kind of what it reminded me of a little bit where he's just he's just insane like he's insane um and i do like that how he brings across that insanity because i think so i think like the performance really does a good job like the actor does such a good job of like bringing out like this psychotic nature of this guy and i think it really does make him very compelling i think that's like something that i think really worked um with this villain so i i see that but i don't know at least he he has basically no sympathy which is good for this type of villain but i don't know his his plan just seems kind of <laughs> i just don't really i just don't really buy his 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 plan i guess he's not like thanos or killmonger where it's like if you really examine their psychology like i see where you're coming from and even though you're, what you're doing is probably wrong i respect the fact that you're that you're putting this much effort into this and you're you have a point to you have a purpose and i guess sort of here it is too but it's, i don't know just because maybe it's just because it's he's he's treating it more on animals and like if you're an animal lover, like it'll probably hit a lot more. I'm not and like, I like animals a lot, but I was never much of a pet person. I never really had pets in my household. Mm. So I'm just like, I don't know. It, it didn't have the same impact. I'm not, and let me just preface. I'm not saying that we should bully animals. We shouldn't do that. That's a bad thing to do. But, and like the sort of like the scientific tests and experimenting on animals is definitely a heated debate, but yeah, it just wasn't as powerful wasn't as intimidating as i thought potentially mm -hmm. so yeah we, we could also talk about um adam warlock as well yeah i i don't know i was i was pretty disappointed with adam warlock i i, I would argue he he's basically there to to um i don't know if i should maybe i could kind of say it like kind of short shoehorn him in as a new member of the team but I would argue that you could, if you cut him out of the movie, you could replace his his actions with any other character, and it would kind of fit in the same realm of the story. It yeah. wouldn't really change much of the plot. I like Will Poulter as an oh, yeah. actor, and I think he's he's actually quite good in this movie. But in the end, it's just like he just shows up at moments, disappears, you forget he exists, and then he comes back. It's like, oh yeah, he's there. So oh, yeah, I mean, no, he did have like some pretty like funny moments in the film. I do like the fact that you know he like you know there's like this moment of like a little pet thing that he has and um it is kind of funny like and he kind of act, does act like a little bit of like a spoiled rotten child in some way um and but i do think like you know his inclusion in the story didn't really add that much i mean it did no it did start like the whole like plot progression like it did like so it's not to say he didn't have purpose like he had that purpose in the beginning but he basically just they just kind of don't know what to do with him after that that's the thing um because he just because you know eventually he just gets to the point where like yeah he warms up to the guardians a little bit and you know is much more of like a little bit more of like you know a captain marvel type i guess um but i do think that you know they could have found like better ways to utilize them a little bit more because i think like there's just a lot of characters that could have shagged off a little bit like you know they could have probably shed like the sovereign in this film like because they're pretty much pointless um and a lot at least like the sovereign queen which you know it's a shame because i do like that elizabeth the Elizabeth the Bicky's character in like the second film like was very uh you know she was like very funny like it's a mm -hmm. very bland villain no doubt like they're not very like fun villains in Guardians 2 but they're you know they're kind of like these people that you know are built to be perfect and then like when things don't go their way they kind of act like spoiled rotten children well, and, I kind of, and I kind of wish it was a little bit more of that I guess but that also goes to the kind of when we're discussing about the movie being bloated too is how like if you you would have to if this movie were to be a bit more streamlined you would honestly have to cut out the sovereign people i would argue just mm -hmm. because 
they are so they they obviously they work with the high of they work with the high evolutionary but in the end it's like it doesn't amount much to anything though like especially with elizabeth debicki and how how her character turns out and then with adam warlock who just yeah what kind of you said basically a cap kind of like a captain marvel type character um created created with all these all these powers essentially and and I, I would say he's OP, but he does actually get defeated in some instances mm-hmm. in pretty satisfying ways. So he's not as OP as some other Marvel heroes, but they just don't do enough with him. They really don't. And I, from what I recall in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, that was a big thing that they were setting up for this movie. I, I want to say, I think in the post in one of the post credit scenes, it was about, it was, it was with the sovereign people. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think they, I think, but, you know, I think like, you know, otherwise, like, you know, the film still does a pretty good job of like, you know, being effective in a lot of those areas. I mean, I do like the fact that, you know, there is that change there for these characters, but I guess they're, it's just a lack of focus that's really like, you know, really like worsening it a little bit because I feel like, you know, Adam, like Will Poulter does such a good job of his performance and, you know, he, like I said, he kind of still acts like that spoiled, rotten child in the beginning, but I kind of wish there was more of that, or, you know, maybe there could have been much more with the Sovereign and the High Evolutionary, because I feel like it, there was much more with, like, those three characters throughout the film, I think I would have, like, you know, been a little bit more intimidated by the threat of the High, Elevator, high Evolutionary, and, you know, maybe start to warm up against warm up toward the um sovereign and adam warlock i think there could have been like much more there so i i remember one thing i was one thing i do like about this movie i think we we've we've discussed a lot of the faults of this movie and i'm trying like i don't know how you feel but um just about the movie as whole like just Mm -hmm. as a complete package but even though I have a lot of issues with it, I still wouldn't call it necessarily like a bad film or even like mm-hmm. an average film. I think it's actually really good. It's because the stuff that works amongst all the, the flaws, individual moments work fantastically. The characters are still really, really well done. And I, what I especially like about this movie more so compared to the other Guardians movies is the fact that now these characters are fully developed and have gone through major arcs across multiple films to like where they are now and it's satisfying to see that as a team um i know specifically i think even james gunn mentioned this um like how nebula's character for example basically went through an entire transformation and now is a part is a part of this team and who is seen as like a minor villain in previous films is now a part of the guardians and seeing that dynamic work is satisfying and i also i do really like her character in this movie a lot as well um I we also have a younger Gamora, or Gamora, I guess a variant would say, mm, who is yeah. who, who's now part of the Ravengers. Yeah, I mean, I think like I mean, I do think like you know the characters are what really makes this film work. Um, because I think Karen Gillan does such a good job with you know I mean you know, for one she's a very underappreciated actress. I do think she you know she kind of got the shaft in the bubble like oh man. Don't not yeah she was in the bubble and it's like uh (laughs) it wasn't her fault it was more apatel's fault but you know it's like that's a waste of a good actor good actress and here it's like she like i really do like that she's much more a part of the team like she's very much more kind of you know in place of gamora in the guardians um in this and like in this film because you know she's not not like she becomes a love interest she really doesn't they kind of make a joke about that but she doesn't like become a love interest but she is kind of you do kind of see like her spot in the guardians is like you know somebody that you know is much better to play off of like quill's kind of like incompetent nature and somebody that's a little bit more of a leader in that sense like and i really do think like they really do a good job of like making her character really come full circle like somebody that you know was just so hateful in the beginning of her like of her time in the marvel universe and then now it's like a little bit more like accepting and you know 
more of that person that actually cares. Like I do like that they change her character a lot in that in the span of these films. And I, I, and you know, Mantis really has come out. I think they really did a good job of bringing Mantis out a little bit, and you know, having her more than just like you know this kind of like a little bit idiotic and a little bit like curious um because they definitely do dive into that like in the like holiday special where yeah you know she's very like that's also why having the context of the holiday special is way more important than i think mm -hmm. most people thought because if you go from two to three you actually do miss quite a bit of information from the holiday special yeah especially with mantis's character yeah 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 mantis has definitely come out into her own i think palm calimitive like really does a good job um like bringing a lot of that out and you know even like the like original five still do a good job as well i mean i still think like they i mean even like gamora in this one is like a little bit different but i do like the fact that she's different she's a little bit more like hate-filled but also like you know it's still like very fun so we saw dana does does such a good job of like bringing out a lot of these like these actors really love these roles and you know despite some changes with their roles it's like i do like how they really pull off these performances still and make it feel so genuine that was one element um the relationship between peter and gamora in this film because peter is still like very he's basically depressed over the fact that the 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 gamora he he knew is dead and now has has this younger, I guess I keep wanting to say younger version, but I don't even know if it if it even is. Or just like an alternate version, basically. Yeah, alternate of, of her exists, and he's trying to, I guess, like rekindle that relationship. And I was really, really liking them. It's like that's really that's really interesting, and explores his character more, and just like how empty he feels now. I one one problem I did have was the fact that even that when that's introduced, it is there for majority of the first act and then it, it kind of fizzles out unfortunately mm-hmm. i was like i wish i wish they went more forward with that um it's like you ba- you're balancing three major things you want to do. you have the rocket rocket's backstory that storyline with him and with um peter and gamora and then the whole sovereign sovereign angle with adam warlock it's like those are three big things and one of those had to have been cut i feel like mm-hmm. to make the story a bit more digestible so yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll give James Gunn this. It, he really, he really wanted to go all out. He just put yeah. everything in. He's just like, I don't know if I'm going to do Guardians four for a long time. I'm just going to put everything, every idea that I have for a Guardians movie in here. And so. and to be honest, I, I commend it. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, James Gunn has done s- such great work for like both Marvel and DC at this point because I feel like in like both cases i mean and yeah there's people that are very mad at him right now with the dc universe like i know some people are upset about henry cavill's like exit as Mm -hmm. superman and i but you know i don't know i think james gunn knows what he's doing oh he does yeah like this dude is a comic book fan through and through and he's a guardians fan through and through like you he understands these characters and the thing I do like is that with this film, it's like half the time I'm not even thinking I'm watching like a typical like Marvel film. Um, I'm not like thinking I because you know it's like half the time, especially for a lot a lot of the Phase Four films and even Phase Five, is that they spend so much of their time trying to like you know connect establish yeah quantum yeah, is a yeah, good example can, yeah like connect everything together and like you know i'm glad that you know marvel's like yeah we're just gonna take a break from all of the like you know story elements that we want to include in future films and just give the guardians the ending they need like that is a good element like that you know they really embraced i think is that they realize that you know this this is James. This is probably James Gunn's last film. This is Dave's the Dave Batista's last time in a Marvel film. This is like a lot of. This is probably the last time we're gonna be seeing these characters. Like we're probably. I mean, I think more like we will probably see like Rocket and Groot in future, like areas. Maybe even Karen Gillan's character. But I feel like we're at a point where we're probably gonna like this is this iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy is done. 
I think. And I'm glad that, you know, it, they did such a good job, like, capitalizing on that and, you know, realizing that, you know, this is going to be a big ending. One yeah. one thing to know is that, um, this, yeah, narrative, the, the narrative is also just a testament to even to James Gunn's writing abilities. As bloated as this film is, it's not incomprehensible. Like, mm-hmm. it is, you could still tell the intentions behind it. So it's not like, it's not like the amazing Spider-Man two where so much crap was thrown in there that you can't even tell what the movie is even trying to do. It's not that, that bad because it still manages to be, there still is a story at, at the forefront. There's still consequences. And yeah, it's just, I think kind of what you said about how Marvel, especially post Endgame, is trying to connect all the dots to get together. Um, I think the reason why I I love the Guardians movie so much is the fact that they they just tell their own story. They are in the mm-hmm. MCU. There is connections, especially um, when Infinity War came out and when the characters appear. And like for example, they were in Thor four. They still feel just like their own movie. Like these these are our own characters. We're gonna tell our own story. And because it's so interdimensional and cosmic, they don't need to be forced to be like, hey, let's put Iron Man in here. Hey, let's have some connection to. I don't know Wakanda or something. You don't. You can't really do that, and it doesn't need to do that. And so, seeing that was just a breath of fresh air, just because it feels like all of Phase Four, with the exception of No Way Home, which I would is an MCU film, but in my in my head it almost isn't, just because it feels so separate separated. Mm-hmm. It's like it's so refreshing to just see like a story, basically a singular story that doesn't feel forced to like connect to. 50 different movies and tv shows so yeah and i mean that's just a good thing about it like it it's a it's its own thing like i feel like you know franchise filmmaking has obviously come a long way since endgame i think a lot of like franchises are starting to like you know pick up a little more steam like the mission impossible films i guarantee cat just squealed when when she'll <laughs> pro- when they'll probably hear this like but yeah like those films like like a lot of the franchises trying to like you know do different things from what marvel has done even dc despite you know the changes that it's been going through is still like you know finding it's it's still found its identity in some way um this i can kind of say like you know guardians has completely embraced itself um where you know a lot of the other films like have not been able to embrace so, like for the thor of love and thunder despite you know still having taika watiti's like signature signature directorial style was not able to like you know break out on its own right and you know this one i can kind of say it's breaking out on its own like it's not trying to keep itself like you know super connected to the overall arching narratives of like the other films in this phase um and i i really commend it for that i think it really did such a good job with that i'm guessing like another element i did like too um with this film is like and i think you mentioned it was that the visual effects are dang impressive oh they're really good the production design especially is yeah i I love i love the design of um the orgoscope Mm. um planet or headquarters or whatever it is it yeah. looks like it looks like 2001 almost oh yeah it's and, very like ethereal well and also what's so what's so refreshing and especially after quantum mania and how that is literally the worst looking marvel project of all time or mcu project i should specify it's like wow you actually have an, not only an interesting sci-fi planet and world but you actually blended some practical effects in there like when they land on the on the orgoscope the um planet or the whatever the material is when they're in like the among us spacesuits mm-hmm. um yeah. it's like wow when they land it's like that's that looks real if it's cgi that's impressive and there's not really there's not really any awful cgi which is interesting because i i feel like I, i'm just gonna take a guess this was probably produced around the same time as ant-man quantumania which was um they said like the the effects people were overworked and underpaid i assume this was in that same time but for whatever reason this movie looks so much better than the oh, other yeah. ones and i i don't know what it is but just i'm just like wow looking at this it looks great i i should also preface that i saw it in imax as well mm. um so maybe that maybe that was the reason but i don't know it's just every single frame is just like looks really interesting or even when they land on counter earth all the creatures are i i assume they're practical it looks like it looks like makeup 
Yeah, and... oh, yeah, it looks a lot like makeup. Like I think I wouldn't be surprised because I, even like with the first two films, like they they had makeup design mm-hmm. in those films. Like yeah, the like, first one like even Drax got like, yeah, them. like even the first film got like a whole. Even the first film got like a Academy Award nomination for makeup and hairstyling. And this one, I can kind of see the same thing, too, because, like, the makeup is really impressive. Like, a lot of the visual effects um, work is done super well here. Because when you see, like, these, like, humanoid, like, animalistic, like, beings, you really say, you can really see that they look so freaking real. Yeah. Um. And yeah, there's like instances where they've used like CGI, like um. Obviously, like you know, Rocket is complete motion capture, and even like all the other animals that are introduced, um, that are like Rocket are also animals. Um. So still they, looks still looks good though. Like the fur texture. Yeah, it still looks good. And, like and the when they talk is... to, it's it's a little, it's not it it doesn't try to go for pure realism like the Lion King remake. It it still looks comic booky it looks cartoony in a way so it doesn't bleed into like the uncanny valley like with um lila the otter especially the Mm. way she's animated it's like yeah it tries to look it is very clearly supposed to be yeah it's a real otter but it still had retains the animate the cartoony animation in a positive way it doesn't look overly real it doesn't look overly fake it's like the right blend where you don't divert too far on one end yeah, and it's like a, it could also be a credit to you know Linda Cardellini's voice acting, um, because mm-hmm. she plays Lyle the Otter. I remember, I remember uh, her from um, Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, and you know it's like she, she's a very fun actress. I always like Linda Cardellini, um, and I do think like you know the, how incorporated you know um, she is into Rocket's backstory along with, like, you know, the other animal friends and the villain. I think really, I think that is, like, really what drives the film. Like, it really is those, those, that element of, like, you know, the villain and what he's done and, you know, how Rocket's origins have, like, really come through. Um, but, like, yeah, the, like, everything, like, from a stylistic standpoint looks really good, especially, like, the camera work. I do like the fact that, James Gunn has like the style where you know when a character is looking the camera is like moving along with the character's Mm -hmm. eyes like I like that style a lot um I think and it's not super like overabundant either it he uses it sparingly in a lot of areas one one of the um in the climax of the film there's one action scene that's all in one shot too Mm -hmm. which which is really really impressive because it goes on for quite a while and um yeah I like it when when a Marvel film does interesting things with the camera. James Gunn has done that very well, especially post Suicide Squad, where mm-hmm. it seems like they like with that one, they really just let him go and just do like, yeah, do do whatever your visual style is to make this look interesting. And that carried over into Guardians Three, because I would say it's probably the best shot out of all of them. Oh yeah, because because I, I I unfortunately wasn't able to rewatch the first two before seeing Guardians Three, but I just. There's so many shots in that in the third one. It's like, yeah, it looks so much, so much. I don't know. It, it just looks better. It looks better. Even like the production design too, when they're on the ship and yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just looks great. I mean, it's just amazingly shot. I mean, there's like a lot of breathtaking shots in this film too. Like where in the climax where you kind of had these like giant things collide together and it, like, it looks amazing. Like, and that's like the first time I said that about anything, like from a Marvel film, probably since um, it's been a while. Yeah, like probably since Spider-Man No Way Home, because there's a lot of shots in that film of like, you know, the tracking shot of like, you know, mm-hmm. Spider-Man going across like a bunch of power lines and it looks amazing. Yeah. But even and in here, even in No Way Home, there's some CGI that looks a little dodgy, though. Yeah. We're really even, here. There's not I think there's one shot when characters are falling out of a building, which mm-hmm. I know is if, you, if if any Marvel film does like a shot of people falling out of a building or jumping from a great height with the green screen, it almost never looks good. Like that was the same problem I had in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm-hmm. There was one shot like that and the infamous shots in Black Widow as well, mm-hmm. which look look horrendous. Yeah, like it, I mean, I've tried rewatching that and like even with that with the, well, like that shot in that in that film it's like yikes. <laughs> it looks even worse in 2023. Um but like here it's like oh they got they nailed it it's kind of like 
the uh, scene in Iron Man 3 where, like, you know, the flight attendant and people, like, falling out of that airplane. Like, when it looks so terrifying, but here it's, like, they really, like, give it such a load of fun here um, with that camera work. And the visual effects look very convincing. They also do really fun things with Groot, too, where, you know, they have his, like, I mean, it's, and it wasn't the trailers too, but they kind of like have parts of him, like, you know, become weapons and it, that they did a really good job with that. I think they really just did amazing with these visual effects and just really, really just brought out the best of like Marvel's VFX in probably the longest time, probably since Endgame, we probably have never seen visual effects this good. Um, it's been such a long time. So, yeah, what, one thing I guess we could talk about is if the Guardians are, were to return, um, I'm one of those people that's because Guardians is so much rooted with James Gunn's writing and directing style that if any other filmmaker were to do it, I honestly wouldn't want another Guardians movie. Then. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no matter who it is, just like James Gunn needs to be involved in the creative process in some way, shape, or form, or else it just doesn't feel like Guardians because I feel like even in, in the other appearances of the Guardians, like in Infinity War or even in Thor, Love and Thunder, though they weren't written by James Gunn, even though he was consulting, it still sounds different, though. They, I, I would say in, in Infinity War, they feel more like the Guardians, whereas in Thor 4, not so much, despite mm-hmm. how little, little screen time they have. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's like a lot of the humor and like, you know, because I think like for some reason, like Marvel, when they were using them in Endgame and Infinity War. They kind of felt very out of place. Like, they're always kind of used as, like, the comic relief in some instances. Like, they really just utilize them as, like, you know, these characters that are just, like, oh, yeah, they're the funny type of superheroes, despite the fact you would have got a quippy billionaire playboy philanthropist um, playing off of a, like, wizard in some sense and you know there's like i mean no there's like a lot of obviously iconic things from infinity like you know why is gamora or you know just peter quill like and like the guardian trying to like um you know describe a whole situ like describe a plan in some way but it's like but you know when james gunn's involved from a writing standpoint the characters are brought out even more but the emotions are brought out even more um, I mean, Thor and Thunder, I just kind of forgot they were there because they kind of were played a little bit stoic. They were not even, like, comedic. Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're in the first scene, or the first few scenes, and they just leave. Yeah, they were. it's like they were just tossed in there. It's like they didn't even look like the fun, typical Guardians. They just looked like a very, like, like stoic versions of them. Um, and, okay... Um, and they were just very like, I don't know, very, I don't know, just very wooden, which is not what I want from them. I don't want that from them. I want James Gunn's iteration of mm-hmm. it. You, you want that liveliness. Else. And if that doesn't work, even in, I'm actually, I, I looked it up, apparent, based on this one YouTube video, the Guardians of the Galaxy are in Thor 4 for like two minutes or maybe three maybe that's being generous depending on how it's yeah. like cut together so if it doesn't even work for that short of a time if james gunn is involved how is a two-hour movie gonna work like that or a tv show it's not it just it won't work at all so mm-hmm. um yeah i mean with secret wars coming out in 2025 or 2026 whenever that 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 happens it's heavily hinted that the guardians are probably going to return or at least star lord just just based on how that comic works so maybe by then we'll we'll have some sort of plan Mm -hmm. for another if there's another guardians movie coming out and with james gunn being the head of dc he's he's Mm -hmm. in a more like he's in a more executive position so i feel like he will have he might have that opportunity to come do work for disney so yeah i mean it's maybe i mean the ones i could see returning would be rocket and Groot. um yeah i feel like those are the ones that you know like people really enjoy a lot and you know it's probably the one that disney was able to market a lot because i mean especially at the theme parks because you know there's actually like a whole like issue with like marvel um 
being included in Disney theme parks on the East Coast. The East Coast. Yeah, because Universal has the Marvel superhero land. And so the Guardians are really the only characters that Disney is able to use in like theme park locations. Um, Because it's like a whole licensing deal that even like Disney can't even get through, which is kind of astounding to me. But I mean, by I can kind of see like, you know, Rocket and Groot appearing. I can see I don't know about like, you know, Gamora. I mean, it's probably unlikely we'll see Drax again because Batista has like indicated that, you know, he's not going to be involved with like the MCU anymore after this film. And I don't even know about Mantis. I mean, maybe, but I don't see like really anybody showing up apart from maybe Rocket Groot and maybe Star-Lord. Yeah, I mean, with with Groot, like Groot is one of those kind of like cute marketable characters. They did the I Am Groot um, short series on Disney Plus, which is just like yeah. five five minute short films, and it's just like yeah, it's cute. Like you could do stuff like that. Whereas like, uh, it it it's hard because the Guardians of the Galaxy, their personalities are so distinct. But when you put them together, mm. it works like perfectly. So even though if we oh, yeah. let's say we were to Bread have, and butter. yeah, let's say we were to have a let's say hypothetically we had a spinoff series just on Gamora as a Ravager and it was just about her it was kind of like what they're kind of like what they're doing with Star Wars now I I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that it would be bad but it would just it wouldn't be the same even if James Gunn was attached like the the Guardians of the Galaxy are a team when they're a team it works fantastically just because the way they play off each other their banter their character their characterization it it works so well and like if you remove that you're missing such a key component and I think it's a testament to just how well how um, audiences react to that too. Because Guardians of the Galaxy, on paper, I don't I don't think anyone would have expected that a movie this bizarre with characters this strange. Like we got we got a guy from the eighties, um, a green green alien, a talking tree, and a talking raccoon. It's just like how it how is that going to work? How how do you make that logically work? And they and they did it just because they had a great script. They had great characterization interesting worlds to explore it's just it's hard to it's hard to replicate that one so many times and i as much as i would a part of me does want to see more of these movies just because they're probably the best marvel movies out right now but also too it's like if you do too much with it it's going to ruin the magic in a sense yeah and also i think it's just like maybe like you know i I don't know. I think out of all the Marvel characters and Marvel films I've come back to, these are the characters I come back to most. Um, and it's not to say that, you know, I mean, I, I love Iron Man. I love Captain America. I mean, they're great characters. But I don't know. Maybe it's because there's already been so many iterations of them that, you know, maybe it's like they kind of start to blend in a little bit. Which is strange because, you know, Robert Downey Jr. practically made, like, Iron Man a defining character and mm-hmm. now every single show is copying off of like what Robert Downey Jr. has done on um, like every animated show every comic it's like they're doing what Robert Downey Jr. has done and in Captain America you can basically do anything with and with the Guardians it's like there's just something so distinct about them like it's they're super distinct they stand out from the bunch I mean it's like because even like in Infinity War, it's like they really have their own style. Like they bring in like Mr. Tambourine Man and like, you know, as their introduction. Um, It's just like, it's what, it's like, yeah, only Guardians can do that. I can't see anybody else like, you know, really pull off a soundtrack like the Guardians. And you, can't, yeah, you can't put that in like Black Panther or anything nah, like that. I mean, no, you need like somebody like Kendrick Lamar for Black Panther. You, but you can't have like Mr. Tambourine Man playing all I don't know Black Panthers riding down the street on a motorcycle. Like it's it's not possible. <laughs> and so I feel like you know Guardians are just so distinct to themselves, and Gun has made them so distinct. Um, and you know it just feels like you can't have a guardians film without james gunn you just can't it's impossible i mean it's possible but is it, is it going to be done like gunn it, no it's kind of it's kind of like with south park like every episode is written by trey That's, parker it's like yeah. anyone else it's like it's basically a cheap imitation in a sense 
Yeah. So and I mean, it's like, yeah, you just can't have that. It's impossible. It's so impossible without James Gunn that these films are gonna be successful. It's impossible. Um, I mean, I guess like you know, if since we are gonna kind of go into like, um, like you know, minor spoilers in some sense, um, like. I'm guessing, like, you know, how did you, like, kind of feel about how characters kind of go on their own paths? And I, I actually, it was, it was fitting, because especially if, if this is going to be the last Guardians project for a while, I think it ends in a pretty good spot. And mm-hmm. it's very, and that's satisfying, because, like, they've achieved, they've achieved their, they've fulfilled their arcs, they achieved their goals, they're going their separate ways, because it's just like, yeah, that's what, that's, that's it seems like what those characters would do eventually at some point and we rarely see that like especially in the marvel cinematic universe just because everything's connected like if someone leaves it's just like okay what are the chances that they're going to reappear in another film unless they just die Mm -hmm. so it's it's not like this really feels like okay this is the end this is the conclusion for now at least uh, it's kind of like with toys the toy story trilogy in a way where it's like that the way toy story 3 ends it signified this is the end of the movie and then we had two more sequels so <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> maybe that's what will happen but i don't really necessarily have a problem with it um and especially with the only one that i had kind of an issue and this is kind of a, this is a spoiler i guess a spoiler the warning for the ending of this movie um peter quill goes back to earth regular earth to meet mm. his grandfather and to signify like yeah he he hasn't seen his family ever since like he got abducted by by yondu and it's just like yeah he finds his place in the world in in our planet and that's and he reassimilates back into our society and then in the post credit scene when it says like yeah he'll return he yeah they say like the something star lord will return it's like that kind of ruined all, the whole purpose of his arc and his conclusion. Yeah. Like we knew that we knew that in Secret Wars he was probably going to come back, but you didn't have to have that title card there. Just made I mean, it a bit it, more ambiguous. I mean, it. I don't mean there's part of an ambiguity there because you know maybe there could be like another iteration of Star Lord like, because oh, like the what if Star Lord? Yeah, because it's like it doesn't say Peter Quill. Or Peter Quill will return. It's his Star Lord yeah. role, but role but role. also in the other Guardians movies, at the end they say the Guardians will return, signifying that yeah, these Guardians are going to return. But that could be a broader thing because the movie um, also ends with a new Guardians team because Rocket becomes the leader essentially. Yeah, Rocket becomes the leader, and honestly, I do like how we do keep seeing Groot grow. Like that yeah. is he's now like a bigger hulking tree in this version. I I just love that you know they do. There's so many iterations of Groot now, um, so, so I really do like that the like you know that there is like that sense of change and you know and like I said it's coming at the perfect time we're graduating, mm-hmm. um, we're essentially graduating and you know I'm and obviously it's different for you than it is for me you know I'm basically going through probably my biggest trend my last big transition for a while um and you know this these characters have been at that point ever since 2013 like they've always been there like at a big transition that i'm going through and you know it's kind of fitting that you know these characters are going through a transition themselves i think they're all you know going into their like separate lives and going into like being um you know being their own people and you know finding their place their story has ended they're gonna go make new ones i really do like that there is that sense of transition there at the end i think it worked out beautifully in my transition but also like closure for that story like that it's like kind of that book is closed but a new adventure will begin that's just kind of how life goes in general just like Mm -hmm. sometimes as much as we want to be with the same people for until the end of time it's just that that's not how it works Mm -hmm. in a way so yeah Yeah, and and in regard to the sentiment the sentimentality of the movie the ending was is one where I would not fault it for that because that part was done very very well and mm-hmm. the build up to that was quite strong. Yeah, I mean, because so. I think Gunn handled it like very well. I mean, and no, there's like a lot of elements about the story that doesn't work, 
but I do think Gunn had an angle in mind with these characters and, you know, he brought it all through. He was sure that, you know, these characters are going off on their own directions and doing what they feel like they need to do because, you know, this is practically the end of the Guardians here. Like, at least this iteration of the Guardians. I mean, there could be other iterations in the future. I mean, there's already, like, you know, Rocket and Groot are kind of leading the charge on that one. But you do kind of, like, say, like, yeah, this is something I'm going to be satisfied with. Like, it is that type of satisfaction that I think I felt at the end of, like, yeah, this this feels right. Feels right. So, you, do you have anything else to add, or do you think um, we should conclude? Yeah, yeah, we gotta conclude. Like all good stories come to an end, just like this iteration of banter comes to an end. Um, mm -hmm. so I think, like you know, going to my final thoughts. I mean, this probably came out came out at the perfect time. Um, because you know, obviously, like as college graduates and as most college graduates uh guardians of the galaxy um you know people are going through change it's a big thing big transitions you're closing your book here um and i think guardians is really i think guardians Street really encapsulates that it, they're we're closing the book and they're gonna open up to new journeys for everybody else and i really appreciate that james gunn came back um, from, you know, his firing and, you know, that Marvel was willing to give him the control that he needed and give him the, um, you know, just give him all everything he needed to make this film successful. Um, you know, this is the best Marvel film that we've have I've seen in a long time. It's been a long time since I've seen like a Marvel film as good as this. Um, and, you know, as state of MCU, well, hopefully this can maybe be a big turning point for the MCU, but I don't know. But I do like that James Gunn really ended this film, ended this trilogy at the right note, ended this iteration of these characters at the right note, and everything just felt right in the end. And I'm super satisfied. I think this is a film that I, you know, I think last two Guardians films, like, you know, obviously nine out of 10. So this one is probably the same boat for me. Um, because yeah, it's a bloated story. It's a very, and you know, it's a lot of stuff that doesn't work, but in the end, I don't care. I think this really concluded the trilogy perfectly for me. And yeah, nine out of 10. Yeah, even, even though this is, in my opinion, the weakest Guardians film, it's still a solid Guardians film. It's like, in the at the end of the day, it still encompasses everything that I really, really like about these movies and also does does the moments that work work very, very well, um, despite its flaws. And those those flaws, even though the bloated nature of the story and also um in kind of tugging a little too hard at heartstrings, I can't really it's hard for me to like really, really fault in that regard, like not be able to recommend it. Um Overall, it is it's it's a solid it's a solid Marvel film and it's a solid Guardians film. Um, definitely, definitely a different a different take, a different um, direction for the Guardians, but it still does work. looks It looks amazing. It's funny. It has the characters you you love and remember. Yeah, it's currently playing in theaters. Check it out if you would like to. I'm gonna give Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three an eight out of ten. And that concludes this episode of Bijou Banter and also our tenure as Bijou Banter hosts. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure who will be hosting Bijou Banter next semester, but um, I guess final words from us. It's been, it's been an honor. Uh, it's been an honor being involved with Bijou Banter for the past almost four years now. I started midway through the first semester of my freshman year and I've been doing it ever since taking over from our previous host, Calvin Leslie, but yeah, it's been, it's been a fun ride and I loved, I loved doing this every single week. I really, really did. Yeah. I mean, it's been insane. I mean, I really, I mean, I think, you know, the whole goal of like Bijou as an organization is because, you know, we're, you know, I'm multiple facets, like being involved in multiple facets, like, you know, like, you know, 
like the DI um, and student video productions are like organizations where, you know, I want to go to create. Um, and, you know, Bijou is an organization where, you know, I want to go and, you know, talk, talk about movies and talk about what the importance of them, the importance of cinema. And Bijou Banter has obviously been that one element. I mean, yeah, we had some fair share of like, you know, movies that have left little to no impact. Um, like that we talked about, like the bubble or, you know, that Quinn Eastwood film that came out last year. Um, mm-hmm. What is it like? Pinacho or something? I think or so, Prime. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's been such a long time. But, you know, there's been obviously a lot of good things that, you know, we have talked about, you know, the camaraderie that was involved with the four of us. Um, and, you know, obviously, yeah, like two two of us, the two of them, like, you know, moved on to better things after this. Um but I do feel like that, you know, there's a lot of good memories to come from being on Bijou Banter. And, you know, it, and I think, you know, encourages, you know, people to kind of continue the conversation around cinema and like its importance in our society and our whole world culture. Um, and I think it's just been a great ride. Um, it's kind of sad that, you know, it's all coming to an end, but, you know, it is sad that Guardians 3 is coming to an end. That signified an end to the Guardians, this iteration of the Guardians. But I do really appreciate that, you know, all the time that Bijou has, like, put into, like, being sure that, you know, we continue that conversation. And Bijou banter is a big reason why, um, it's a big reason why, you know, film conversation is important. And, you know, it's important for students to engage within that. So... But yeah, it's been a fun ride. Indeed it has. So um, yeah, to to next semester where I'm sure what whoever the hosts are, I'm sure they're going to do a, a great job. And yeah, even though we'll be gone, Bijou Banter won't be going away um, for as long as the Bijou film board still stands. So yeah, I've, I've been Matthew. And for the last time, I've been Daniel. Thank you. Yeah. Thank thank you all. Goodbye.